Welcome to the Real Talk with Real Fit Pros podcast, where fitness professionals learn to get what they're worth. With over 30 years of combined experience in the fitness industry, Jonathan Loudermilk and Mark the Fitness Ninja Zolmanoff share their expertise in helping fit pros work smarter, earn more, and design a business that they love. Learn about effective social media strategies, organic marketing, client acquisition and retention, and whatever other shenanigans John and Mark bring to the table. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. It's your boy, Jonathan Loudermilk, your host with the most. And as always, I've got my main man, Mark the Fitness Ninja Zalmanoff with me, joining me on the show. And we've got a damn good guest on the show today. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's a great client of ours. And most importantly, over this past year of all of us working together, he's become a brother to us. So I'm going to let Mark do the fancy formal introduction for our main uh, guest here but kick it off to you first mark how are you doing buddy you know what i'm good man so we did this workout in the gym yesterday that i do like maybe once a quarter or three times a year at the most and it's just sprints and abs that's it it's like a 100 meter sprint walk back in and do 50 reps of abs and you do 10 rounds of that so my abs are fucking sore <laughs> i did 500 reps of abs yesterday Oh and, my God. Uh, yeah. So I didn't notice it until this morning. Yeah. I woke up and do the big stretch thing. I was like, oh, damn it. Now right? I got coughing and sneezing for the next three days. We're laughing. <laughs> anyway, or, or yeah, lots of laughing. Um, <laughs> other than that, it's a great day here in Freedomville. <laughs> yeah. Freedomville, USA, baby. Love uh, I love it. Yeah. Today's guest, dude, I, I love this guy, man. He is, uh, he's the owner of Dedicated Health. So here's the, this is what I really love. So this guy, he's a client of ours. He's a friend of ours. He has had exponential fucking growth this year. We're definitely going to talk about that, but he started a group and he asked for a name. And so we brainstormed <laughs> a little bit and we came up with dedicated to fitness, which is an acronym as DTF. <laughs> and if you know what DTF means, there's another meaning for it. And I think it's fucking hilarious that he was like, all right, let's go with it. Um, so anyway, so when we met this guy, when he started working with us, he was working the typical trainer schedule, like bell to bell, nonstop, one-on-one -on -one coaching, no time for anything, barely time to take a piss and, and shove something in his mouth. And now he owns, I believe, four gyms and is is really the CEO role now. And it's it's been incredible to watch your growth. I'm like, it fires me up just to watch what you're doing. And uh, I know it does with John too. So ladies and gentlemen, Josh Riggs, Josh, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, everyone. I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of these two. They've helped me out a lot. They not just watch me grow, but they pretty much pushed me to grow. I wouldn't be where I am without them. <laughs> well, it, it right. was, it wasn't hard, man. You, you were already on track, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So before we dive into all that good stuff, it's story time. So what you got for us, man? So this was a poor lapse of judgment on my part. So I thought it would be fun to, um, I do, I do boot camp classes. I'm a big fan of boot camp classes. And one thing I thought it'd be fun to do on April fool's day was do a kill the trainer night. So I actually let my boot campers 
put together a workout for me. Um, and I've been training most people in my boot camps. I've been training for a long time. Uh, it's been quite a while. So they, they know the routines and I was kind of expecting them to put me through something that they, they've been through. Um, no, they didn't. Uh, they actually started off with like kind of a dance fitness class, which I have no rhythm. Uh, so so you were way. dancing. I had to dance. They, they had this whole like dance routine that I had to follow. Oh my um, God. and that was like 20 minutes and it was hard. It kicked my butt. And then ended it with 200 burpees. <laughs> that was my workout. That That's was the, the icing on the cake right there is the burpees at the end. Yep. That I thought the fantastic. dance class was going to kill me, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and they recorded it too. There is a video oh, of me. That's awesome. <laughs> somewhere out there. We need that recording, by the way. I will try to find it. It's just me flailing around and well, I tried to mimic this person dancing. I want to see your sweet dance moves. I think you've been holding out on me, buddy. Oh, no. There's nothing. <laughs> I'm picturing like Napoleon Dynamite type vibe, you know. I'm seeing the Carlton. I think he could pull it off. <laughs> the Napoleon Dynamite's probably closer. <laughs> you know, Josh, it's funny. Uh, back when I was at, at Lifetime ages ago, we used to do train the trainer for the American heart association. So we'd raise money and people could donate and train us. And I was, I did the same thing. So I let boot camp have a shot at me because at the time I was running the boot camp program and the fatal mistake they made was that there were so many things that they hated that I made them do. They made me do all of them. So it wasn't ever enough for any of it to really suck that bad. It's like, <laughs> Oh, let's make him do man makers. Okay. Well, that's 20. That's enough. Okay. Let's make him run on the treadmill. Okay. Well, that was 10 minutes. That's plenty. You know, let's make him do burpees. Okay. Well, he, he did like 50. That's enough. So they kept bouncing from one thing to another. They could have just, it, I didn't run at the time at all. They could have just put me on a treadmill for 60 minutes. I would have died, <laughs> but they weren't smart enough to figure that out at the time. That's so. why they don't get paid the big bucks to train people. Right. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. So, so let's talk about, I want to start with the origins of your, of your fitness, and then we'll get into what's happened over this past 12 months or so. So take us back. How did you get into the fitness business? What, what led you into it? Where, you know, where did you feel called to step into this role? And then we'll kind of go from there. So I, I was one of those weird fitness instructors that never had any interest in sports. Like I kind of just skipped that. I just liked the fact that people could change their bodies, they could fix themselves and do all these different things through physical fitness and plus the therapy side of all of it too. So I actually started studying back in like middle school, early high school, uh, sports wow. medicine. Like I've been in this for a long time. Like, middle school, that explains yeah. a lot about you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been that. doing this for a while. Holy shit. All right. That was a, and that was honestly my step step one, like I wanted to help people feel better, move better, just be better in general. Um, and I've always had a calling for it. So I actually started that in middle school, uh, right out of high school and in college, I wasn't going to college for personal training or physical therapy or anything at the time. Um, I was just taking on clients uh, on the side. Um, I took a little bit of a break um, to help some family, some family issues happen. So uh, I had to take a break and start working full time. Um, and then realized that I hated it and working for other people sucks. Um, so then I started training again um, and was doing full-time training and full-time working at, uh, I won't name names of the company, but it was Walmart. Um, 
And, <laughs> uh, and I hated that. It was miserable. Uh, I was working crazy hours. <laughs> um, but long story short, I ended up training people out of a local gym. The local gym was failing. Um, so I was trying to save it, realized I couldn't work a full-time job, save a local gym and train. So I quit my job at Walmart, took the leap of faith, just started training. Local gym went out of business. And then I, me and some of my friends got together and bought the place and have been growing ever since. <laughs> so again, th this happens frequently on this show is people glaze over like the in-between. So you go, oh, and we just bought the gym and... <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. so let's talk about that because most people don't think oh i'll just buy the gym and we'll just do our own thing like there's usually a lot more in between there so so what gave you that that faith internally to go this is a good idea this is the path i need to go down um honestly it was there wasn't an option it was sink or swim so the gym that we we were at was called Terre Haute Fitness Center and it was known for being disgusting. Like it was never clean. It was very poorly managed all the time. And it wasn't necessarily the owner's fault. It was just like kind of the, it was one of those gyms that I had failed multiple times. And the last owners were, they were good people and they had the right heart, but they didn't have like the resources available. Like it was too far down basically. Um, and there was a lot of times where I had to step in and actually manage and run it just because they had a lot of life stuff going on. And I kind of picked up like what it needed as I was going. Mm. Um, so basically the person who owned the building, um, he was, he just was over it. He had gone through like three other people. Um, and basically what I ended up doing was like, tell him I didn't have any money. I was like straight up broke. Like I, I told him out front, like, here's my vision. This is what I want for this place. And um, here's how I'm going to do it. I had like a five-year game plan of how I imagined this was going to work and what we need to do to make it work. Um, and he was like, look, to be honest with you, um, I, I have three other people offering to buy this place, but you're the first person to come to me with a game plan of some sort and actually lay it all out. Uh, so I'm going to take a leap of faith and trust you, even though the oh, last wow. ones haven't worked. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I'm not going to say it was like 100%, like just pure grit. There was a lot of just pure, like a lot of faith and a lot of like luck that went into it too. Well, I was about to say, man, that's some pursuit of happiness shit right there. Like that was that the right person at the right time gave you the exact thing that you needed, man. How crazy is that? Yeah, it, it, I'm still very grateful to him. Uh, he, this wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't because if he wouldn't have like gave yeah, us he could, the, could have told you like, to fuck off. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Especially when it's like I have no money, but I have this vision. That's when you, you literally closed them on a vision. You didn't even give money. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's how it worked. <laughs> that is phenomenal. I love it. Well, and I, yeah, I absolutely love that because number one, the answer is always no if you don't ask anyway. So you had nothing to lose whatsoever. And kudos to you for just being bold enough to go forward with that. Because I think most people just wouldn't say anything that they would say, Oh fuck, I don't have any money. You know, it's not even worth it. They're not, they're not even going to entertain it. So obviously your vision was strong enough. So let me ask you this though. So you said, you know, you're in there, you start to notice some things that are like, okay, that's missing. That's wrong or whatever. What were those things? And, and how do you think you noticed what it was? So 
I mean, there was some cleanliness issues, obviously. Like that stuff was obvious, but that was the easy fix. The one thing that was really missing was there wasn't a huge sense of community. There was a bunch of people who generally liked fitness and they kind of liked the vibe of the gym. Um, but it was like Annie Lou over there, Jason over there. Like they were just a bunch of pockets of little people. There was nothing that brought them together. Um, and part of the thing that I was explaining to him was the only thing that our gym had to offer that nowhere else around here did was the fact that we can have a place where if you are dedicated to fitness, we will help you. You will have a family here. Um, so the main thing that we did is we started doing a bunch of community events. We started doing a bunch of things where people had to work together, different challenges, different things like that, where people literally had to interact and talk to each other to the point where like, when you leave this gym or if you have to move away, you're moving away from family. You're not moving away from a gym. You're moving away from family. That was the first thing I had to fix. Uh, the other thing is um, we have a planet fitness here. I'm sure you guys know what that is. Um, well, the other owners um, try to compete with them price-wise. As a local gym, you can't do that. <laughs> Bottom. Yeah, you'll lose that fight. Oh, yeah, real quick. Um, and that's one of the problems that they that was ran into. Um, so one of the things was instead of like copying the common trend of everyone else of lowering our prices, I actually raised our prices where we were one of the higher higher end prices in the town, actually. Um, and so many people told me that wasn't going to work, but it did. <laughs> it worked out well. Um, but that was the main things that I noticed and that I really like went after was I, I wanted to make sure that like it was a community um, and that we had higher rates, but the rates were justified by the fact that you felt like you were getting what you're worth when you came in here. Yeah. So, so here's what I'd like you to share, man. So you're talking a lot about leadership and culture building now, right? Now, the example mm -hmm. you just gave was obviously in the infant, uh, infancy stage. Well, since then, man, I know you've hired a, a COO, you got four locations. So share with our viewers, man, like how you went around steering the ship with the culture and the direction you wanted to go. And then what are those levels that I know you've gone through this past year? Because I think it's a damn good story that people need to hear. Well, it's, uh, I've always been one of those people that like, in my head, I can see where I want to be. Um, and it kind of, as soon as I see the end goal, I can see little gaps of what's holding me back from getting there. Mm. Uh, so for example, the first time I talked to Jonathan, my biggest problem was time. Um, I was working crazy hours. I was, uh, working from like, not exaggerating five thirty AM to like nine o'clock at night or later, um, nonstop. I mean, like, like Mark said, I had time, barely time to use the bathroom, eat, <laughs> like that's it. Um, so the first thing I realized I needed to do was find someone who could help take some of my workload away um, because I can't focus on building this basically uh, fitness empire that I'm trying to put together uh, without the time to do it. So step number one for me was to try to get away from personal training. So I had to bring on trainers. The way I did that was actually that was probably the easiest thing I did because a lot of people in my life were already into this kind of stuff. Um, so I just kind of nurtured that and tried to make sure they had the right core values. And then from that matter, it was just teaching them how to market themselves and setting them loose into the world and slowly transitioning my clients to them. Um, but after that, um, just, I feel like anytime I like move up a step, I just end up getting myself even more busy than I was before. <laughs> so Welcome my, to entrepreneurship. <laughs> yep. That it just is nonsense. Like, I don't want to 
give work away to have less work. I give work away to have more work in a different way. Right. Um, so then I started realizing like the, the small daily task of running the business was taking up all my time. Um, just the repetitive motions, the things that you really need to go through and you really need to go through those phases to know what they are. Um, but once I got a good grasp of that, I realized I need someone to take that role over. So I brought someone on whose main job is just to handle the, the daily tasks, the things that like don't require me necessarily, but still need done. Um, and basically that's kind of how I just grew everything was I just took it step by step. Like every time I freed up some time and I knew what the next thing I needed to do was, I would make sure someone could take my role. It wasn't really necessarily, I went looking for someone all along the way. It was, I know what hat I'm wearing right now. I need to teach someone to wear this hat so that I can wear the next hat. Mm. I love that. Well, dude, you're, 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 you're clues. Well, yeah, well, dude, all you're really doing is producing leaders. Yep. And then you're going to fill, well, here's the next position I've got to go create and go, now it's safe. Now I can bring someone in to go, here's the play. <laughs> here's how you go. So that's super exciting, man. That's awesome. Well, and just like the fitness journey, you know, you're just solving the next problem. And, you know, as coaches, a lot of times we get new clients and we try to solve all their problems all at the same time and they get overwhelmed. They don't do anything and they never change. Mm -hmm. So that that step by step approach that, again, we know works with fitness and nutrition. You've now just transferred that into the business building side of things. And obviously it's worked out tremendously for you. Here's what I want to know, though. Like you you kind of have this not kind of you have this internal drive and I I love it because your demeanor is so calm. As far as I know, you know, our, our interactions, like you, you're a pretty calm guy. You're usually smiling. Like you don't seem to get bent out of shape too much. Um, so where does that drive really come from? It is. So this is a weird, someone asked, actually asked me this the other day and it's a very weird answer. Uh, to be honest with you, it is 100% self accountability. Um, I'm, I can find, no matter what the situation is, I can find a way, and this sounds awful, but it's not, um, I don't look at it that way. No matter what the situation is, I can find a way that it can root back to being partially my fault. And I mean that in a way that I can see how it could have been fixed or prevented or what I could do in the future to make it better. And I constantly am trying to um, improve myself and just the drive to improve myself is what makes me want to keep getting, keep growing really. Um, like for example, I didn't, I never really got into this for the money necessarily. That's always just been a byproduct. My whole thing has just been growth. Like if I'm not growing in some way, then I feel like I'm letting myself down. I'm not holding myself accountable. I'm not pushing myself to where I need to be. And that's honestly 100% of my drive. It's just I want to keep growing and whatever comes with growing is fine, but I want to keep growing. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this then, how, how do you define for you what growth is and how do you measure if it's good, bad, or ugly? Growth for me is definitely freedom. So my ideal of growth is when you get to the point where you work because you're wanting to work. Hmm. So I want to get to the point where I'll never be one of those people who just, I'm not in my business. I'm not doing something. I'm, I'm definitely a very, like, I got to be doing something kind of person, but 
I want it to be at the point where I'm working on the things that I personally feel are very important, but I can also go and hide in the woods for a couple of weeks if I want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. But, you know, to, to me, what you're talking about really is just extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and I love what you said about, you know, when problems arise or when something happens, you know, rooting it back to yourself of what, what could I have done to change that situation and what can I do in the future to make sure it doesn't happen because it's really easy to blame shit on other people and sometimes it is because other people are asshats I mean let's let's be honest you know it's not always our fault but you know we can go okay well you know maybe I should have seen the red flags and not given that person that responsibility maybe I shouldn't have hired that person in the first place so how do I prevent that from happening again? Mm-hmm. So what have you experienced again? You know, so you've gone from this crazy schedule to owning all these gyms. What do you think has been the most challenging part of this growth process over the last year? Um, I would definitely say, oddly enough, even though I, like I said, part of what my job was to put on a hat, teach someone to have that hat and move on. There's always a part of me that when I'm passing that hat on, there's a little bit of remorse. Mm. Um, I would say that's the hardest part. Like accepting the fact that I can't do it all was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. Like the first, I remember the conversation where I was sitting down with Jonathan and we were talking about how, like, I know what I need to do. I know I need to get trainers. I know I need to give up my clients. Um, but it was, it's hard (laughs) because every time you move forward, looking back, like that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for what you've done. So you're giving away something that you have done every single time you do it. And yes, that is growth. And yes, that is important. Everyone has to accept that at some point, but it is hard. Um, And I think that was the hardest thing for me. So I guess it's a little bit of pride. So pride, learning to manage pride. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 that's something we all struggle with. Like I'll raise my hand with you on that for sure. Yeah. And I think it's difficult too, because again, this is a relational business. It's not transactional. You know, we, we deal with human beings more than most professions do. You know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're selling washers and dryers or cars or what, you know, that's a whole different mindset because you may see that person once every seven years, you know, whereas like we're dealing with clients on a daily basis and interacting on a daily basis. So it's harder when you're like, okay, I'm going to let you be the accountability coach. I'm going to let you actually train these people that I've built a relationship with for the last five years. And that, that is, it's difficult because like you said, pride gets in the way and you're like, what if they're better than me? What, <laughs> yep. if, what, if, what if they like them more than they like me? And, and that shit can stop people from growing. I've seen it happen before. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny, man, is we, we talk a lot of shit about corporate fitness, Globo Gym and all that stuff. But dude, the truth is I've learned, I learned a lot throughout that experience. And one of the things that I'm grateful for is it, it forced me to not think about me as a fitness manager and it forced me to have to sell training to give the other trainers Mm -hmm. and you know we we actually just did an episode before you josh and we have jesse on and me and jesse go way back like i was his fitness manager like he worked for me like that's where he started with all the get what you're worth and everything and it was so funny man i'd sell people i'm working with him and then they'd be hesitant at first because they're like felt like they got bait and switch like i was working with you i'm like no trust me you're gonna like jesse way more than me and then after like a couple of weeks, they like already forgot about me and like moved on. And <laughs> they're happily. I come back and be like, how do you forget about your first love? I'm like, Jonathan, you didn't even love me. You just met me one time and sold me on Jesse. I thank you for that. But 
but that forced me to have to learn to get over that on that earlier stage. But yeah, man, there's definitely those feelings of like, I've put my blood, sweat and tears into building this. Please God don't fuck it up when I give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. And to be honest with you, there's a one trainer in particular that I, he's a very, very high performing trainer. And I actually have given him most of my clients and, uh, he is better than me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he is a better trainer than I was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, so let's, let's flip this question around. What's something that's been easier than you thought it would be in the growth ooh. process? Um, that one. So I know the answer, but not 100% how to explain it. I think the easier, easiest thing about it was, I guess the foundations that I had to put in place came to me very naturally, I guess. Like the, uh, it, it seems like anytime I do put on that new hat, it, it's easy for me to figure out what my new role and daily tasks are. Um, because when you first start training, like there's a lot you have to figure out. Um, you have to learn how to manage clients. Like there's all these things that don't really come naturally. Um, and I thought it was going to be like that all the way up the ladder. Like I just like new, new riches, new problems kind of thing. Um, but I feel like, I guess, because I've done it multiple times that it became just second nature, like just switching to what I need to do became easy, um, which was really surprising because I'm not a man who I'm very routine. There's like any fitness professional is, is like, I have this routine. This is what I do. Um, and that made it easier. Also, uh, gaining weight became really easy because I spent a lot of time in front of a computer <laughs> <laughs> that became easy. <laughs> So, so would you say though that, so that ease of, of assuming that next role, would you attribute that to confidently handing off the last role? Oh, 100%. If you, if you are not in a position where you feel comfortable, like if there's a spot in the back of your head going, God, I hope they're doing okay. God, I, what if they don't do this? What if they do that? I mean, if you can't dive into what your new role is, there's no reason to have this new role. Mm. It just, it it's going to hold you back. It's going to weigh you down. And the first time I did it, like I was talking about, there was a lot of that. And it took me the longest transition was moving out of training into more of the owner role. Um, there was a lot of that. Um, but honestly, if, if you do it right, you find people the right core values and you train them right. And you set up the processes to train them right. Um, it's not really that scary anymore. Um, with the, with knowing that they're willing to come and talk to you if there are problems. Um, but if, if you're not, if you're not 100% sure, like this handoff is on, if they're going to drop the baton, the race is over. <laughs> so right. make sure they have a firm grip. How did you go about establishing what those core values were going to be and what are they? Um, so for me, my core values have always been um, entertainment because nothing, no one pays attention unless they're entertained. <laughs> Uh, balance because you need to find balance in everything you do. Um, education because everyone needs to know more to grow more. Um, and the most important thing is compassion. Um, so basically the way I, I never went and asked someone core values. I only accept someone into like my circle. If I can see those are their core values. Um, I, I made a post about this actually earlier today, how um, if you aren't projecting your core value, if I have to ask you what your core values are, um, we probably don't align. Or if people aren't seeing what my core values are by how I act and how I live my life, then 
there's probably some issues there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really a matter of setting those core values. It was a matter of making sure that the people I'm talking to have them already. Um, and then I might have them verbalize it later on, but the conversation, if I'm talking to you already about this role, it's because you've already demonstrated that those align in some way. Um, I, I haven't really hired outside very much. Most people are people that I've like been talking to. Um, I've built, developed a relationship with them. And some of them, admittedly, I've developed this relationship because I've already been like following them and already knew what I wanted down the road. So I set that early on. Um, so I, I've never really had to establish core values. I just find people and grow with them if they have them already. See, and, and what, what you just said is the sign of leadership because you're already looking for the next role without actively looking for it, but you know. And that's, that's thinking on a level that most business owners won't ever think of. They wake up one day and go, oh shit, I need a blah, blah, blah. And now we got to go find one, right? Like you're already, you already got your, your arrows on people and your list made. Like, I'm going to go after that person when I need this. I'm going to go after that person when I need this. I think it's fucking genius. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a list actually somewhere that I have like these people, <laughs> these people will someday work with me. So, so here's something else I want you to share too, man, as we're piggybacking off of core values is you read a book called, uh, what rocket fuel this year, right? Mm-hmm. We actually read that together where it starts talking about the visionary and the integrator. And I know you and I had some great conversations after going through that book and then to watch you apply those principles has been just astounding. Um, I'd love for you to share the process you've gone through with that. And what are some of the lessons that you learned and have you applied them to help you grow so fast this year? So I, uh, that was a great book, by the way, if you have not read this book, I highly recommend it. Jonathan recommended it to me and it changed my life. Um, so mine too. it's, it's amazing. Um, so I am a very methodical person. So I was kind of surprised to find out that where I, I lean very heavily into visionary. Um, and the more I read it, the more I seen that, um, I can, I am good at switching hats and I can do integrator stuff. It just, I don't have any kind of passion for it. I'll do it when I need to, but I don't excel there. Um, I do excel at the visionary, the big pictures, the, how I see where I want to be, um, and sort of how I want to be there kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, like I, I have many, many visions and not all of them are good. <laughs> so uh, I do need someone who can be like, you can't do that. And here's why, <laughs> um, right. because I, I have a bad habit. I call it the task complete problem. <laughs> I have a bad habit. As soon as something is complete, I either get bored of it and try to change it, or I move to the next thing very rapidly. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, and it's amazing how fast this happens. The moment I feel like I'm done with something, okay, well, uh, well, maybe if I do it this way instead, even though it's working, I, I have ruined, I actually ruined a business before I started this business because I kept changing things. <laughs> um, so I, I realized that is a problem, a very fatal flaw for me in business. So I had to find someone who can look at things that I'm telling them rationally and not be afraid to tell me no. Um, and why no, (laughs) um, and that changed the game for me because they're, especially in the early beginning, like I came up with some good ideas and they, they worked, um, and they were working and then I changed them and then they plummeted. 
um, I don't have that so much anymore because I have someone to be like, no, stop touching it. Go do something else. Yeah. Put it away. <laughs> stop. <laughs> so, so for y'all listening, basically this book goes over that there's really two people that you need in a leadership position within your company. And that one of those roles is going to be the visionary, which is typically the CEO comes up with all the great ideas really focus on building the culture, getting people bought into the mission and the vision, things like that. They're also closing big deals. And then you have your integrator, which is working inside your business, which is doing the day-to-day within your business. I just wanted to share that for y'all listening, going, the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how we have this knack to want to tinker with shit, even though it's working. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, man. And that's the, um, that's the perfectionist in all of us. And then I know for me, I used to build up gyms for corporate. And then once I got it there, I would get bored and start self-sabotaging it. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize I was doing that. I would cause problems because I was bored. So I'm like, all right, we've gotten here. Like it was fun fixing it. And then I'm like, I'd basically be like, move me to the next one. I'm bored. So it's pretty cool for you to get that clarity about yourself, man. And to be able to put the right people around you, that's really where the group comes in, man. And that's a gold nugget for y'all listening by simply getting the right people within your life. It can have a dramatic impact on your results that you're getting. For sure. For sure. So Josh, where, where do you see things going over the next year or two for you, or where do you want them to go? Uh, To be honest with you, I, see myself at least getting one more gym by the end of next year. Nice. Um, that's my goal. I want to get something. There's a big, bigger city in Indianapolis. Uh, well, I'm sure you've heard of Indianapolis, but I live in a small city called Terre Haute. Um, I want to branch out to the bigger city uh, a little bit more. Um, and apart from that, like I want to get to the point where I have all the hats filled by 2023 and I want to take a six month trip Um to all the national parks. So laying out the framework now uh, to make that happen is uh, pretty much what I've been putting my time in. Um, making sure that I'm not dabbling in messing up all the daily processes and letting <laughs> them work because they have. Um, and basically laying, getting all my ducks in a row where I can be in the business as much as I want to, which will honestly be a lot because that's this is what I do, um, but I can also leave when I need to. So I got to know why, why the national parks? Um, I am one of those weird people who uh, absolutely love hiking, camping, uh, getting away from the world. And most importantly, no cell phone service. Um, So the national parks are pretty cool because if you can park your vehicle wherever, at least it's like a couple miles off the road, I think you can camp there for free. Um, so it's a very cheap, inefficient way of enjoying yourself and most importantly, forcing myself to not respond to text messages. <laughs> so before you hopped on here, we were talking about Dog the Bounty Hunter. And, uh, you know, he was looking for that that Gabby girl and the, and the guy that killed her or whatever. You know, they found like nine bodies in various national parks when they were searching for her. Like missing people, oh, all wow. those things. So Josh, if you find... If you if you find a body when you're out there, what are you, what are you gonna do? I'm just curious. Uh, well, I'm not gonna do the Jake Paul thing and make right? a YouTube video about it. <laughs> um, I was thinking the same thing, man. Uh, so I 
learn not to do that. <laughs> so for y'all that don't know that reference, go look up Jake Paul and uh, what is it? Asian graveyard or something or suicide forest is suicide where they forest. were. This motherfucker found someone who killed themselves in a suicide forest and put it on his YouTube channel. What an idiot. Where everybody's just waiting for somebody to knock him out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just that's the kind of human being. Anyway, sorry, Josh. Didn't mean to take away from you, man. <laughs> but I was thinking the same thing. I was like, look at this guy. Chief. Oh, man. Well, that's what not- I will do is I don't know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> bury them. I don't know what you I do. Leave. <laughs> leave. Leave. <laughs> Tell someone else. <laughs> right. Oh, man. You're fun, dude. Um, you want some fun questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do fun questions. Would you rather be hot or cold? Um, I would rather be hot, so I have an excuse to take my clothes off. Hi-oh! <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, what is something that's mildly annoying to you, but not annoying enough for you to do anything about it? Ooh. Uh, chewing. Chewing sounds. <laughs> like other people chewing around you? Yes. It... It, it bugs me, but not enough for me to do anything about it. <laughs> I, we have the, John, do you have uh, fountains for your cats? Fountains? Yeah, like little water fountains. No. Oh, I've seen it. those. Yeah, yeah, we have these water fountains in the house. because they want water drink fountains out. for your cats? Well, because they want to drink out of the sink. And they're annoying as fuck. So you buy these little water fountains, but the water fountains get low and they make noise and I can't stand it. I know exactly what you're talking about. If they're not completely full, they make that water trickling sound, but I won't do anything about it until it's like annoyed me for a good day or so. Oh my God, yeah, man. Uh, Josh, you do, you do powerlifting, correct? Mm-hmm. I do. And you got, you got quite the squad uh, in, in, I'm assuming in multiple facilities that you encourage them to go lift and do meets and stuff like that. What's the most weight you've ever lifted? Uh, my most total, well, my total is 1300. Um, so a total for between bench press, uh, deadlift and squat is 1300. What were the individual lifts? Uh, <laughs> I know this is really dumb, but I don't remember. Uh, bench was, bench was 315, which is, uh, really good for my weight class. Cause I compete in 165. Um, Ooh, but I cannot yeah, remember. <laughs> my, that, my brain just went break. That's that Ant Man strength. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Pretty solid because if you're doing, what'd you say your total was? Uh, it's a uh, thirteen hundred. So you know you're dividing, then you got a thousand left between a squat and a deadlift. That's a lot of fucking weight, dude. Uh huh. Yeah. I guess that was uh I guess that was pretty good. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> are, are, are you just like chopping down trees with your hands in the woods? Is that what you're doing? Is that the uh, secret routine? Only if everything's made out of blocks and I can oh. use it as raw materials. Okay. <laughs> oh, some Paul Bunyan shit. Minecraft reference. <laughs> I picked I like up it. on that. All right, sir. Last question. If you could have a billboard with a message for the world to see, what message would you want on the billboard? I would say that would have to be the thing that I say to all my clients. It only sucks today, tomorrow, and the day after. <laughs> I was hoping you'd 
you'd say, are you DTF? <laughs> that was one thing that came to mind, but <laughs> I, have, I, I think more people will know me by it only sucks today, tomorrow, and the day after. <laughs> I like that. You don't have a shirt with that on it already. I hope there's one in the, in the making. Ooh. There is one in the making. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, so, you know, we'll put all your stuff in the show notes, but tell the people how they can follow you, follow your gym and find out more information about all the things that you do. So at dedicated health gym on anything. So we're very prevalent on YouTube. Um, we're very, very happy with that. Our podcast, um, Facebook, not really Instagram. We didn't jump on the Instagram trend. I haven't put that hat on yet, uh, but definitely YouTube. Excellent. Excellent. Dude, it's, it's seriously, it's been so fun to watch you grow. You know, John and I, obviously we coach a lot of people and, and there's a lot of people in our network that are thriving, but you've done such big things in such a short amount of time in an uncertain economy. Like, all, you know, all the things are really stacked up against people right now for growing. And those of us who are willing to step up and just be bold and go claim what we want are winning big. And you are the epitome of doing that. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud to be doing life with you, doing business with you. And, and I can't wait to see what you accomplish moving forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. With that being said, there's only one thing left that needs to be said. Be like Josh Riggs and go out there and get what you're worth, damn it. Yeah. yeah. Damn, Damn good show. Damn, Damn good. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found value and entertainment in our content. Listen, we love helping fit pros get paid with their worth, and we have something we would love for you to take advantage of. Absolutely. So go to fitprocollective.com forward slash bootcamp to download our free business bootcamp on taking your training business online. This is no BS sales pitch. This is actual strategies that you can implement right now to move your business forward. Finally, again, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and review. Let us know what you think. Thanks again for listening to Real Talk with Real Fit Pros, where we help fit pros what? Get what they're worth.